And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen. We come to you on another dark day in a Raiders season that, despite the glow of on-field success and reason for legitimate excitement, has also been filled with plentiful heartbreak. As everyone knows by now, Henry Ruggs III is no longer a member of the Las Vegas Raiders, and justifiably so. The team released him Tuesday night, hours after he was arrested and charged with DUI resulting in death, and reckless driving resulting in death or bodily harm. The charges the result of a fiery car crash at 3.39 a.m. Tuesday in which, according to prosecutors, Ruggs was driving 156 miles per hour down Las Vegas Street with a blood alcohol content level twice the legal limit. He was still going 127 miles per hour when his airbags deployed after he crashed into the vehicle of 23-year-old Las Vegas resident Tina Tinter. While Tinter reportedly survived the initial crash, rescuers could not free her from her vehicle before it was engulfed, engulfed in flames, killing her and her dog. An unspeakable tragedy, an unspeakable crime, for which Ruggs will undoubtedly pay, with prison time, most likely, and a lifetime of weight on his shoulders, none of which compares to the loss of life. The football impact of all this doesn't really matter, and while we will attempt to get to some football in this episode, we can't promise you how much. And we wanted to start the show off really by offering all of us the opportunity to share our feelings, thoughts, reactions, everything we're all going through after this incredibly horrific tragedy. Yeah, I'd say, you know, waking up Tuesday morning, I was just really confused and uh, shocked just because, you know, we didn't really have many details initially. Uh, I'm just trying to piece together what happened. We learned that fatalities may be involved pretty quickly. Um, so it was who is the fatality? You know what I mean? Is it a multi-car crash and things of that nature? And, you know, as more details came out, you know, the only, only way I can really think to the, describe it is depressing, you know, on all fronts. Uh, obviously, first and foremost, you know, the woman, you know, woman losing her life, you know, 23 years old, you know, pretty much just starting it. You know, how that impacts her family, uh, her friends, everybody that knows her forever, you know, moving forward, you know, and then and obviously, uh, you know, Henry Ruggs. You know, while it's not the primary concern, you know, essentially, you know, making a mistake that, you know, ended somebody's life and, and how that impacts someone living with that, 
you know, injuring his girlfriend who was also in the vehicle with him. And then it was the mother of his child. Um, they have like a, a child who's, you know, not even two years old at home right now that has to suffer as a result of this. Um, you know, him effectively ending his career, you know, most likely having prison time. You know, as, as we cover these people, you know, we, we kind of get to know them a little bit, get to know their, their backstory. Um, and Ruggs having the context of him losing his best friend uh, to a car accident and, you know, talking to parents and coaches and people that knew him and his upbringing and then everything that led to this point, you know, for all that to pretty much be wiped away in a moment, you know, just, just from a human element that that's just that's tough to think about, you know, um, and, and obviously all the other consequences of it. You know, it's just like the more we learn, the worse it gets. Uh, even this morning, there's more, you know, pictures and having to go through the pictures and videos and all the details and reading it over and over and over. It definitely uh, weighs on you. And so it's hard enough for me to think about the sports side of this in football. So I can only imagine, you know, for the people that are actually intimately connected to this situation on the football side with the Raiders um, and then everything else, obviously, with, with, with the family of the woman and, and, and Ruggs, uh, what they're going through, just, you know, it's kind of hard to grasp right now. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm still numb from the whole thing. I still, um, I think I'm still kind of in a state of shock. I think, um, just think about her and you read about, you know, these descriptions and the witness accounts and um, how, you know, she was screaming. Her screams to be heard while she was burning alive in this car. I mean, that's still, I don't know how you bounce back from that. Her family, I can't imagine what they're going through. And his family, Henry Ruggs, I'm sure. And uh, him, I mean, to deal with that um, the rest of his life, besides going to prison for however long he's going to go for. I mean, that's just... Uh, it's a heavy cross to bear. I, I feel for Henry. I feel for, um, I know people get mad if you say prayers for Henry, but, um, you know, I think he made a horrible decision and he'll pay for that the rest of his life. But um, there was no history of any kind of, um, you know, bad behavior. I mean, he's a kid who uh, whose teammates really liked. He worked hard this offseason. He, um, you know, he got better. He was definitely getting uh, to that point in, in football where he was making a difference. I think um, he's becoming a leader, as a lot of players said that on the team. And it just shows you, despite what the NFL and teams tell you about, you know, that there's a 24-7 car service for these guys. Um, the coaches and, and you know, security guys have all offered, have you ever needed a ride? Call us. Derek Carr yesterday said, you know, if you had called me for a ride at 3 a.m., I would have gone. Just the, all these things you have, these resources, it just takes, you know, one horrible decision when you're not you know, clear of head, and it can not only ruin your life, but it will end, you know, somebody else's and ruin her family's lives as well. So um, these guys kind of like football on Sunday. I don't know how, how they're going to do it. I can't even write about football yet. But um, just the whole, uh, it's just a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. I just, um, I really, really, really am still uh, kind of numb about the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, the morning after the accident, um, you know, there was a bunch of rumors flying around. So, you know, just checking Twitter. And, I, I you know, I know some people in Vegas too. So there, there was a little bit of concern there because I knew some people that actually lived in that area and then you know just to find out that it, it was rugs and then somebody died was just you know really devastating and shocking and you know I, I it was just hard to process that morning you know obviously just extremely sad for the family of, of Tina and um and just you know obviously losing a life at 23 is just terrible and as a reporter we're supposed to remain you know neutral but like you get invested and you get excited that you know, Ruggs was able to get his career on track and things like that. So to hear that basically his career is ended and, he, you know, he's going to spend time in jail is obviously just gut-wrenching and just the whole thing is just one of the more tragic days that I remember just, you know, with news in NFL. And like Vic said, it's just 
it's going to be tough to think about football and for the Raiders and his teammates to go out and play on Sunday. It's going to be hard. So we'll see where their heads are at. And, um, you know, I just really feel for the families of everybody that's involved. I think it's caused me to also just reflect personally. Ruggs isn't that much younger than me. I'm 25, he's 22. You know, as a young guy, you know, living in Vegas and, you know, like everything that comes with this city and, and kind of, you know, what you can get into on a daily basis, it just really drew it home a message that, that, that it's never worth it. Even if you feel like you're fine and you can drive and you've done this before and you've gotten home safe without something happening, you know, I think a lot of people have found themselves in that position and they probably have made a bad choice before and you know, it didn't end like this. And then so, you know, it doesn't get talked about like in this way, your life isn't over and you didn't kill somebody, but it can happen literally any time that you do it. Like a message for everyone, you know, just don't risk it. Just get the, the ride share, call a friend, get a hotel, just do whatever you've got to do to avoid. Don't even drive to, you know, if you're planning to go out and go drinking, don't even give yourself the option of driving home. You know, get some other alternative means of getting there just because you don't want to you know, potentially put yourself in a situation and potentially, you know, impact other people like Bruggs ended up doing. Yeah, I think the part that's hard for me to wrap my head around is the speed, right? He wasn't just trying to get himself home. Going 156 miles per hour, I know the judge said he's never even heard of a speed like that. And I think that's that's the crushing part is that this was the decision. This wasn't a mistake. You know, this wasn't an accident. And I think that's that's what's hard to wrap your head around is that driving 156 miles per hour is is not an accident. You just lose words trying to kind of grasp the whole situation and and why somebody would put themselves in that position um and put other people around them that are that are not involved in that position where they could uh you know impact lives like that and just, i mean you know to i know you wrote that you know basically as the details came out it just every every detail that came out made it worse and worse and worse and i think that made, made it pretty clear why the raiders made that decision pretty quickly tuesday night that they had to cut him as we found out the details Wednesday, it, it obviously became a, a it, it, we know that that was an easy decision to make because this is not a person that is going to play football possibly ever again and, and certainly not for a long time. So the decision to move on from him um, but was obviously an automatic one as we learned more details. Yeah, for people that, that maybe haven't been up to date on everything, uh, the team uh, in terms of like the roster, the players and the coaches, they held a, a meeting at around 4 p.m. Pacific time on Tuesday, uh, the day of the car crash, um, just to, at that point, rugs had been booked and police had started to filter through information. And so they were mostly holding that meeting to communicate what they knew as facts to, to the team so that they were aware of it. And then later on that afternoon, that's when they had uh, basically the, you know, exec- executive leadership, you know, had a, a meeting at the facility with owner Mark Davis involved. And after they, you know, went over the facts of the situation, that's when the the decision was was made to release them, as you just said. You know, it was an easy call given. You know, if you have all those details that they that they obviously did, but you know, just because he's off the team doesn't mean it, that it suddenly you know doesn't any longer affect the people in the building. You know, yesterday Rich Masachi had talked, and Derek Carr, who's obviously formed a, a very tight bond with drugs uh, since he was drafted last year. You know, they've talked a lot about this year before this happened. You know, how, how close they gotten on and off the field. You know, he said he got a text message couple hours or a few hours before the crash from, from Henry Ruggs, him and Hunter Renfro did it. So this is, this is something that's going to impact the guys and, and naturally so. And, you know, while obviously, you know, like you said, the speed that Ruggs was, was, was driving at, the fact that he was intoxicated, there's no excuse in his actions, but they still are naturally going to feel for him as a person in ways that people that don't know him as an individual just aren't going to do naturally. And so like this morning I saw a video 
of you know kind of the moments after the crash and rugs is you know sitting on the sidewalk with his girlfriend and he's just like crying in her arms you know what i mean and so it's not like you know, as, as car said you didn't want this to happen of course even though he's obviously behaving recklessly uh i'm sure he feels a certain way about himself as as, as car said you know and that's something that you know a lot of these especially the younger guys on the roster that either were in his draft class or, or got tight with him in the locker room and this is gonna hurt i think uh you know, and this team has obviously already been through a lot this year, but this is different, you know. And so it's we're not in the locker room, you know, like normal years. I don't want to infer too much, but it is definitely going to be difficult. We look at what is has gone on this season for this team. I mean, it's eight weeks into the season and they're in first place. It should be all positive vibes and excitement for a team with a chance to make a playoff push. This situation, you know, really kind of makes football secondary and obviously comes on the heels of three weeks ago. We were sitting here talking about the resignation of John Gruden. And like you said, completely different situation, completely different emotions. As Derek Carr said, there are some similar emotions, but largely it's completely different because, I mean, the situation is just so so different um, with the loss of life here. But for the players that, that do have to try to play a game on Sunday, we saw how much resiliency they showed after Gruden's resignation. I just don't know how they can process doing it again just three weeks later, especially just with with the gravity of, of, of everything that's gone on this week. Yeah, I was gonna say, like you said, there's no comparison. I know people uh, are trying to make it like a pattern of you know this team is resilient, but I can't imagine. I mean, there's nothing. In my mind, nothing at all similar. So I don't know what these guys can do. I mean, the ability to block things out and and play a game for three hours. I mean, it's different for every, everybody. I know Derek Carr yesterday said that the football side is going to be fine. They have it all taken care of. They you know, they talked about it, and they you know full steam ahead. But uh, he has no idea. I mean, he says that he has to say that he's a team leader, but he has no idea how this team is going to respond on Sunday, and and no one does. I mean, it's it's. Uh, it's an unprecedented tragedy. I mean, uh, your life was lost. Another life and many lives were ruined. Football is not that important, in, in the, and I hate to say it, in the, in the big scale of things. But um, Derek can say all the right things. He definitely did. I thought he was great yesterday. I thought Masashi was great. I think they're definitely trying to move forward. But um, as far as playing out of football, I think no one's going to really know how that comes out until you know the ball snapped on, on Sunday. I think what it really comes back to is they don't really, and Carr alluded to this yesterday, they don't have a lot of time to process. They reported Monday coming up to bye week, um, and they had to jump into a full pad of practice on Wednesday. Um, and, you know, we had our, our viewing period, and, uh, you know, guys seemed to be energetic, and music was playing, and they're dancing and talking, and still have, you know, still lively at practice. But, I mean, when you have to get back to doing your job right away, and it's non negotiable, they can't press pause on these games. Um, it's cold, but they, they literally cannot, you know, the, the NFL isn't going to you know, put a hiatus on these contests because something happened off the field with the Raiders. And so um, and, and the nature of football um, and it being a game where, you know, if you're not fully there, you, know, you can get seriously hurt on the field. These guys really physically, they have no choice but to be ready. You know, it makes you feel for the guys. I know they get, you know, they get paid a lot of money. I know people are going to say that, and, uh, but they really have no option in, in this scenario. And so I think this is, you know, of course, when they have their, their slow moments, when they go home at the end of the day, in between plays, maybe uh, like Derek Carr said yesterday, walking past Henry Ruggs' empty locker room, you know, and, and then ultimately in the offseason when they're able to fully decompress a little bit, that's when it's going to hit them. But there's really no option for the guys here. Yeah, I think there's a like an equilibrium that, you know, you have to achieve as a team that just doesn't just happen on Sunday. It happens throughout the week in practice and 
you know, when things like this happen, when, you know, a Gruden firing happens, it throws off that equilibrium. And then, you know, they were obviously able to focus again, but then you have another thing happen and it just, again, tests your focus and, you know, the, the flow of things. So I think it's just really tough when you have two things like this happen, you know, and we'll see how this team will be able to respond. And it, it again, it's not just what happens on Sundays. It's what happens throughout the week that results in the game on Sunday. So just for for them to have to deal with this adversity, it, it, it's a big deal for sure. And just because they dealt with um, the Gruden issue well doesn't mean that they'll be able to respond to this. And I, I'm not saying that it, it's, it's going to hurt their performance on the field, but uh, it, it is something to consider and it's something to watch out for. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Derek Carr talked about going into the bye, right? That that was a good time for them to have a bye, that they had been through so much over the two weeks after Gruden resigned, and then they won those two games, and they took momentum into that bye, and this was going to be a chance for them to kind of take a deep breath and, and process everything and, and come back from this bye in position to, to play the second half of the season, be ready for it. As Carr said on Wednesday, like, well, you know, life's not fair. Now, you know, we, we don't get a chance to process this. And and again, like, nobody's going to feel bad that the Raiders don't have a chance to process this because the loss of life is is the key devastation here. But uh, the players are, are in a tough position. Again, I, I don't even have the words for it because it's, it's still, you, you don't want to sit here and say you feel bad for the players because um, at the end of the day, it, it, you're, you're really, all your thoughts go to the family. I thought Dirk did a good job yesterday, a great job. But that, that one part, obviously, he has to force some things to get the, this message across. But the whole thing, like, no one's going to feel bad for us. That's not true. Everyone uh, feels bad for him. Everyone in the league, everyone in the country, I'm sure, feels bad for these guys and for you know, the whole situation. So if they were to show up on Sunday and, and not play well, no one's going to um, not feel bad for him or what they're going through. I just think... Um, Again, he, I know what he's trying to do, and I think uh, for most parts he, it rang true. But something yesterday I thought didn't quite hit, and that's that's fine. It's a horrible circumstance to deal with, and for him to actually talk about it, you know, two days afterwards to the media is a lot to ask for. I thought he did a great job, but I, I don't really agree with the whole no one's going to feel bad for us thing because, like, everyone does, everyone will. So, again, it's just a unprecedented thing you got to deal with, and I think no one, including him, uh, knows how it's going to how it's going to be the rest of the way. I mean, I guess we can talk a little bit about the roster and, and where they stand. Um, they have only three wide receivers now active on their roster. Zay Jones presumably will start alongside Brian Edwards, and they've got Hunter Renfro in the slot. 
They've got Dylan Stoner on the practice squad who seems like he could likely play. Um, you know, they've got three receivers on their practice squad. Rich Passaccia said on Wednesday that expects them to stay status quo roster wise for this week, you know, bring up some guys from the practice squad to, to fill in and presumably they'll kind of monitor, you know, some of the other receiver options out there. We know Deshaun Jackson put on waivers by the Rams. There's the Odell Beckham Jr. situation that's getting ugly in Cleveland. But uh, for right now, it, attention turns to, to Zay Jones and, and, and seeing what he can do with uh, an increased opportunity. I think depth-wise, I mean, they're probably best suited to, to fill the need at, at receiver as far as Zay Jones. I mean, he's a guy who's proven himself and the team has a lot of confidence in him. He's worked hard in this offseason, I think. He and Derek Carr have always been going to the park every offseason and starting in like in March. So I think there's definitely a lot of chemistry between those two guys. So as far as plugging a guy in, I think that part's going to be okay. I think the depth is obviously where it hurts beyond that as far as they, they call Bill and Stoner. She had some flashes in the preseason, but still, it's a, it's a big drop off. And as I know fans want Deshaun Jackson and Odell Beckham, but um, and, and I'm sure they're kicking the tires on both those guys. But you know, Deshaun Jackson's got you know escalator clauses in his contract. He's going to play a lot. He's going to want snaps. Is he going to come in as the third or fourth guy? I don't think so. Odell Beckham probably the same kind of deal. He's going to want to come in and be your first option. So does that really work for them? I don't think so. But they're both very talented players who can definitely help you. But I think there's a lot of other things to consider. We try and factor in who you're going to bring in to uh, to help out in terms of uh, the depth. I think um, Ruggs, you know, although his the Raiders' receiving production has been pretty evenly spread out, and it's not like he was outproducing every receiver on the uh, on, on the field, but he did provide something that the rest of the Raiders roster doesn't really provide. He he stretches the field, and the Raiders, you know, have a bunch of guys that really work well in the short and intermediate guy, and Zay Jones kind of falls in that category too. He's not really a burner. So just having to get a guy that could spread the field really complemented everybody on the roster, um, which is why I think that they do have to go out, and I don't think they have to, but for them to remain in a really explosive offense and be in, op- you know, in optimal position, I think they do have to find a field stretcher. And Deshaun Jackson, I think, really fits that profile. He can still run at his age. And, you know, he has experience making plays. And I think, you know, a- adding him into the roster and if he could produce anywhere near where even where Ruggs is producing, I think that would be a huge boost to this offense. You know, obviously, if they do decide to go down the OBJ track, that that's an entirely different path to take because, like you said, he will want to be a number one. And, he does have that kind of talent because he's still getting open with the Browns. Mayfield's just having a lot of trouble throwing the ball deep right now. But I mean, I think if you want to be a championship contender, you have to be aggressive and you have to take some chances, you know, and the, the Raiders have a chance this year. So, you know, you have teams like the Rams trading for guy, you know, trading for Von Miller and, you know, these championship contenders, they're aggressive when it comes to building their roster. So I think if you have an opportunity at one of those guys, you, you have to take it. Yeah, with Beckham, you know, I would imagine the the Browns, who knows what that whole situation is going to be like, but I, I would imagine they would not be thrilled to see him end up with the Raiders who do come to Cleveland next month. But I mean, it, it, this is all stuff really to sort out next week. And I think that's, you know, Basachia kind of laid that out that next week will be the time to kind of deal with, with the roster issues. They've got to find a way to get ready for a Giants team that completely different scenario, but is, is dealing with a COVID mess right now. They've, they're meeting virtually. They've, they've had to cancel 
a bunch of their stuff this week as they have a, a whole COVID situation. Not that you look at and try to compare, okay, well, we're we're in a bad situation, but so is the other team. But if you're looking at it from the competitive side, I mean, the Raiders are playing a, a Giants team that has not had a very good season. And we'll see what kind of effort they can come out with on, on Sunday against a team that obviously, if if everything was, was in a normal week, um, the, the Raiders would be pretty heavy favorites. And maybe the Raiders lean heavier again on Darren Waller. I think that's a guy who had a huge first week. He's been he's been hurt a little bit. Now he's back to practice, feeling better. So maybe that's a guy you go back to and say, you know, this is our our main guy. Let's let's feed him the ball more, and uh, that will help uh, lessen the load on, on the other receivers. Yeah, I mean the Giants. You know they aren't a good team, uh, obviously, and they're dealing with uh, various injuries on top of the uh, you know COVID issues that they're having, and so. It matters, obviously, like when it comes to, you know, the, the Raiders' chances of winning this week. But, you know, as we keep saying, it's more so about, you know, where these, these guys are at when they take the field on Sunday. The Giants have a tougher defense than uh, people give them credit for. They do have some guys on their defense, and they, um, I think they, they do a good job of scheming up guys and game planning. And on the offensive side of the ball, they haven't been good, but they – they have some explosive guys. I mean, Daniel Jones turns the ball over a lot. His peaks are really high. Like, he is an athletic quarterback. He can make all the throws. Cardarius Tony, their rookie wide receiver, is a, is a you know explosive, explosive playmaker. And he's coming. Last week, he wasn't a huge part of the game plan because he is recovering from an ankle injury. But you would think that he's back now. You know, I don't think this team is one that you take lightly. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of off-field stuff that the Raiders are dealing with, too. I don't think this is a uh, give-me. So um, th- this could end up being a tough game. Uh, and um, But we'll see what happens on Sunday with where this team's at. Giants are also coming off a short week. They played on Monday night against the Chiefs. Um, they gave the Chiefs in trouble a little bit. Um, Chiefs offense did not do all that much, although... Right now, the Chiefs' offense is is quite a mess and pretty unrecognizable Kansas City team right now. But, you know, I, I, let's try to make some predictions. I, I know none of us have really probably thought much about this game. And I think, honestly, we don't really know what, I mean, on the field, the team versus team matchup, I think the Raiders are, are certainly the favorite. You know, they're still the better team. I, I don't know what their emotions are going to be like. I think they're going to find a way to get it done just because they are the better team, but I, I don't think you're going to see the ki- kind of performance that we saw going into the bye. So, I mean, I, I would say it's probably going to be something like a, a, a Raiders 20 to 17 win, but we don't know what kind of team we're going to see on Sunday. I picked the Raiders to win. I don't really have like a, a set score in mind necessarily, but you know, I think between the Giants not being very good and obviously it seems like they're going to have some pretty key absences as a result of COVID outbreak um, and injuries. Um, I know it's still a road game coming off the bye, and the Raiders haven't won coming off the bye since 2016. But I still think they're just the outclass, uh, the Giants overall as a team. And they may not be pretty because of the struggles that they're having mentally, but um, I think they ultimately end up getting the win on Sunday. Yeah, I'll pick Raiders too. Yeah, like I don't think it's going to be as pretty as – the Raiders have played in the last two games, but I, I think they'll win an ugly game and come out, you know, twenty four twenty. Yeah, I just look at the uh, the number. I guess they're favored by they're favored by three points. So, um, like you guys all said, I, we have no idea what it's going to look like um, on Sunday as far as the team, how they how focused they are. And so, I'll go with the Raiders. Uh, same by field goal, I'll say twenty three twenty. 
and the COVID thing, I'm sure, will be a factor for the Giants as well. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say. Just um, I know it's been hard for us to talk about football and stuff, but um, there's a game on the schedule, and it's got to be played. So uh, I'll pick the Raiders to win. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I said this after the Gruden resignation. I'll say it again. You know, I, I definitely feel for the Raider fans out there. They love this team, and they want to be excited about a season that looks like it has potential. And this is a tough week for them. Again, you know, we, we keep saying it as a caveat. Nothing compares to what the victim's family is going through. Um, but uh, you feel for everybody involved here. It's just going to be weird. Like, I mean, for reporters you know, after the game to ask these guys how they dealt with this. I mean, who cares? I mean, who cares? I mean, it's just, it's just like, I get it. We got to move on. But it's just, uh, it's just a weird, it's a weird deal. All right. Well, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. As you guys can tell, um, it's not easy episode to get through. Not not easy to talk football. You know, Sunday is going to be another tough day as the Raiders try to go play football. And we'll see what that game is like. We'll see how they perform. You know, and eventually football will come back into focus for this team and for us. But that's not where we're at right now. And, uh, you know, we hope everyone can appreciate that that's just kind of where, uh, you know, where everybody's hearts and minds are at right now. And so... We'll talk to you guys again on Sunday after the Raiders take on the New York Giants. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.